and also with COVID um, being a, a respiratory illness, mm, um, it's course. really brought that into people's awareness as well as to how much we underestimate our breath. I think that's been a real um, factor. I remember seeing a in the first lockdown a video from a, an NHS doctor um, suggesting a, essentially what is a deep diaphragmatic breathing technique to help with um, non-severe COVID and to alleviate the symptoms. So it really did kind of thrust in front of people how important our breath is and how um, much we can take it for granted. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. Over the last four years of this show, I've detailed the habits, routines, and rituals of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Where I found I needed a little help was in my evening routine, especially how I unwind before bed. Do you have a routine or do you leave it to chance? Some of the most talked about things you can do include putting your phone down, switching your screen off an hour or so before bed, stretching, taking a hot shower, and not eating rich food or drinking alcohol too close to bedtime. These are great ideas, but not everybody's lifestyle can accommodate them. Which is why I decided to take a deep sleep nootropic called Boost, brought to you by Pure Sports CBD called Unwind. It helps you both get to sleep and helps your sleep quality too. So I've partnered with Pure Sports CBD to provide a premium and trusted natural product to help you as a busy entrepreneur go further. You can get 20% off their entire range by going to puresportcbd.com and entering the code JUSTDOIT20. That's JUSTDOIT20. Welcome to episode 354 of Screw It, Just Do It with me, Alex, and my very special guest, Jamie Clements. Jamie is a breathwork coach and mental health ambassador based in London in the UK. And he's also the host of the Man Down podcast, which is the anti-manner movement podcast that focusing on men's mental health. We helped him with the relaunch of that recently, where he talks to inspirational men about their mental health journey to show that vulnerability isn't rooted in weakness, but in fact, rooted in strength. So we chat about a whole bunch of different things as you'd expect. I've been really interested in breathwork, meditation, mindfulness myself for a while now. And Jamie discovered breathwork a few years ago and the practice had a profound impact on him, both his 
physical and mental well-being were massively improved. So he started the breath space as an accessible way for anyone to experience this blossoming area of mindfulness and personal growth. His goal is always to provide people with the tools to work into their daily life, as well as creating an environment to go much deeper and understand new elements about yourself. So we cover a whole bunch of different things. The three main key pillars of breathwork being awareness, regulation, and transformation. We talk about regulating social media platforms, about how it can also bring up negativity with taking up too much time in headspace if you're not too careful, about exercising, something I'm massively passionate about, about the physical well-being it has on you as well as your mental well-being especially during the times that we've been through recently in a pandemic and about how anything positive or negative can become harmful if you're simply too rigid about it and you don't give yourself the flexibility to actually relax and step back and maybe even have a day off something that i have been known to do so look without further ado i know you're really gonna enjoy uh, this episode screw it just do it jamie clements jamie clements how the devil are you doing i'm very well thank you mate yeah not too bad at all how are you yeah, I'm good. I'm very good. So founder of The Breast Space and um, host of the Man Down podcast, which is uh, recently uh, relaunched with, correct me if I'm wrong, Series 3. That's series right. Four. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, with a bit of a headliner as well. Indeed, Mr. Tom O'Dell. Yeah, that was um, a very exciting one and really just amazing to kind of get his perspective i think stepping inside his his world of especially over the last year of being a musician and a songwriter a touring musician in in lockdown in a pandemic um and he's also had his own mental health journey as well so yeah really interesting to kind of get the different perspectives from from him mm, yeah somebody i've seen seen live as well um so i was interested mm. uh in in that episode when he brought it up um it's something that immediately you know got my got my attention um was a post that you you put out relatively recently about what are your non-negotiables okay and um as somebody who's connected with you on clubhouse and how something that's essentially a social media platform has changed so much of my life and i know a lot of other people's lives in a very short period of time and a lot of that has been positive but equally some of it has been negative because it has impacted on what I previously considered were some of my non-negotiables in life. Yeah. Um, and for you, you put down breathwork, reading, exercise, sleep, and meditation. And for me, interestingly enough, reading gone out the window this year, and I'm a voracious reader. And since recognizing that, which again, Thank you for that post. I've read I've read two books in fourteen days, and they're both like nearly five hundred pages. <laughs> um, I've reconnected with my exercise, so I'd gone down to like maybe running two, three, four, five miles a week, and this time last year I did my first marathon. So already I did nine miles just on Sunday, so I tripled that just in one day. Um, sleep, I was getting less of less of that, and meditation, which I've been doing for maybe two years two and a half years, it gone completely out the window. Even though it's 10 minutes, for me, that was a key part of how I started my day. Yeah. So 
rewind that all to the beginning and um a lot of people might not know what breathwork is um it's something that i have tried myself and i'd like to do more of and i was chatting with a mutual friend of ours who's coming to visit me actually mark whittle from the take flight podcast which again our listeners will know of because they would have listened to that episode but um for somebody who wants to learn about breath work where to start what would you say to them yeah it's a really good question um and from from that list of five non-negotiables i can say hand on heart that all five of those suffered at the hands of clubhouse for me as well so <laughs> there you go not you're, just not, me. you're not alone um but i've definitely i've I, yeah i've recalibrated a bit and and i think i i've been doing a lot of breath work through clubhouse and while it's not you know practicing myself i am enjoying kind of sharing it in in that space so we're both big big audio fans as, as uh i'm sure yeah. everyone listening will will know about you um so yeah it's been great but I suppose to take it back to the beginning as to how I would introduce breathwork to someone who is kind of raising their eyebrows and doesn't really know what we're talking about. Um, this, the elevator pitch, the one-liner would be using your breath, any way that you can use your breath to change how you feel physically or mentally and emotionally. So mm. very kind of broad picture. And the last two years have been incredible for breathwork in terms of uh, credibility, knowledge of it, popularity, really coming into the mainstream as one of the most prominent and powerful new things that's come into the wellness awareness. It's been around, you know, these things have been around for thousands and thousands of years, yeah. but it just so happens that Western wellness has started to pick them up recently. Um, so to go a little bit deeper into that, the term has gotten a lot broader as the popularities come as well and, and it's been taken in lots of different directions you know pranayama style practices from the world of yoga um guys in the states and also here in the uk looking at like functional breathing performance breathing how can we optimize sports performance and things like that which is an ex-sports you know semi-ish professional sports player um that really kind of appealed to me as well um but really it's a, a very broad term so i try and break it down into three pillars and this is how i work with people work with companies work with anybody and everybody who who is interested and that's using an acronym that um was first coined by a woman called ila manga dr ila manga down in south africa and she talks about the art of breath work so a-r-t so the a stands for awareness the r stands for regulation and the t stands for transformation so these really cover the the fundamentals of, of what breath is all about so the awareness piece is, is where I would encourage anybody to start. And I posted a post uh, at lunchtime today about the importance of something called somatic awareness, awareness of your body and the physical sensations. And the breath is one of the best ways to, to come to that kind of um, somatic awareness. And becoming aware of how you're breathing can be so important and so powerful in understanding how you feel. We become quite disconnected from our bodies, quite disconnected from that mind-body connection, and the breath is a great way to tap back into that. We take you know, over 20,000 breaths every single day on average, and every single one of those is sending signals back to our body, back to our brain to shift in a certain way. So while it is a very simple thing that we can all do without thinking about it, it does play a really vital role within our nervous system, which is where the, uh, the regulation piece of that puzzle comes into it which is how can you change your breath consciously and actively to change how you feel. So that's simple breathing exercises that could be for 
uh, alleviating anxiety and stress. It could be for sleep. It could be for energy and focus. It doesn't have to always be about calming. It can also be about okay. energizing. If we think about something like Wim Hof, for example. Mm, um, of course. And then the T, the transformation piece, is where I place i suppose the majority of my work obviously the, the a and the r kind of feed into the the t in a way um and the transformation piece is talking about and looking at these deeper healing modalities of breath work um things like um there's different schools but rebirthing um transformational breath there's lots of different schools of of teaching that all center around a similar technique taught in a slightly different way and the idea being is that we can use our breath at a deeper level to connect into our, our body to actually downregulate and bypass and get out of our heads, our kind of ego conscious thinking mind, connect into the body and also in a way heal by clearing and processing emotional blockages that we might be holding onto in the body so that's where things start to get a little bit more spiritual a little bit more ethereal certain people start to to switch off when i start bringing <laughs> up mention of of energy but it really is you know physical real energy in the in the sense that emotions are energy in motion and if we're not processing and expressing them in a healthy way then that can be become harmful for us in terms of both physical pain but also mental and emotional pain so um i'm still as you can tell trying to refine the definition to kind yeah, of yeah yeah as short as possible but it has just grown and grown and grown into something it's a bit of a beast that covers so many different elements so that mm. acronym is just quite a nice way to to break it down and start saying okay what do you mean by breathwork if someone comes to me and says i'm really interested in breathwork i'm like okay what does that mean to you and then they can say oh i want to sleep better and you can yeah. say okay well this is what i would say to you and then well actually i'm really struggling with an addiction or you know trauma then we go mm. slightly deeper down into the transformational work so there's just so much you can do with something that is at the surface so simple and where do you kind of trace back the, like the last couple of years and it becoming more part of people's consciousness? And, and again, I would be one of that number that had never heard of breathwork. And then a um, friend of my wife's or two of them actually went um, and uh, got taught by somebody to become, you know, teachers of breathwork now both have their own practices, but around that time, and they're probably going back maybe, I don't know, two years uh, again, uh, becoming aware of Wim Hof. And, you know, again, it was something that I never thought in a million years, I would be one of those crazy people who'd be in the beach, throwing themselves in the sea, um, and then doing it for 12 months of the year. And I'm literally coming up to a year since I've been, since I've been doing that, but breathing, um, is a very important part of that. If you want to stay in the water longer in it start with, I was just running, screaming at the top of my voice and throwing myself in the water, but it's become very different. And what I've also noticed is that as my friends have dropped by the wayside in doing that practice, when you go in on your own, it's a completely and utterly different experience than going in with like today I saw 10 girls going in uh, and there was two of them before and it's a very different experience you know um so yeah maybe to kind of re rewind to the beginning of that wh where can you trace back it becoming um people becoming aware of um, of breath work and then people exploring different ways where it can it can help them yeah it's it's a really good question I think like all of these things it wasn't 
and I, I, it's a principle I come back to quite a lot is that there's no such thing as an overnight success. It's because yeah. it is, you know, I'm a big, big advocate it's coming back to, to books and reading of uh, like Atomic Habits is a good example of this isn't a case of your success coming overnight. It might feel like it's overnight when all of a sudden everything goes your way, but that's a year or two or however long of daily consistent practice. Mm. And I think that's probably the same with the popularity of breathwork. It's just been creeping and building and building until it went right. This is the moment where it's going to land on someone's desk who actually is able to experience it for themselves. And I think that's probably a big part of it is, you know, social media, mainstream media, this stuff can be that powerful that people will write about it in extremely, you know, enthusiastic and positive terms. And, and that's kind of where I came to this from was through my own experiences and through my own kind of journey with my own breathwork practice, which was then like, okay, this is the real deal. This is something I want to be able to share with other people. Um, but I think probably comes back to a name we've mentioned a couple of times, Wim Hof. I think he, has although i i wouldn't say i teach in a similar way I, i'm not trained in his kind of method um i've done it myself and kind of practice but i'm not a, a facilitator of it mm -hmm. um and his is quite I, I would describe as quite masculine quite um aggressive probably isn't the right word but it's pretty in your face yeah <laughs> whereas yeah. there are other schools where it's a little bit softer and a little bit more about okay where are we going with this a little bit more therapeutic rather than kind of you know, pounding, kicking and pounding. Um, so yeah. Wim, Wim definitely has, has had played a huge role in, in bringing it into people's awareness. Uh, and then also I think just generally this shift in how we talk about, how we treat, how we are aware of mental health is a really broad picture. And, um, people are looking for ways to support themselves. I think we're now moving and these things are all happening side by side, but I think we've spent the last five or so years talking a lot about mental health and finally getting to a place where the conversation is a hell of a lot more normalized. Mm -hmm. And now we're at that point where people are like, okay, my mental health is a thing. I have mental health that I need to look after. How can I do that? And breath work is probably the single most viral thing that I've seen because it's not like a yoga practice where you have to stick with it for quite a while to see significant improvements and there are mental mental emotional and physical benefits to yoga mm -hmm. but with breath work you could have one session and have a huge emotional cathartic release or uh, a psychedelic type experience that changes your outlook on things it can be that quick that i always come back to this thing it's like there are no magic bullets when it comes to well-being but breath work is probably about as close as you can get uh, really, I, th I think that's mm. that speed at which change can happen. Um, yeah, really is where the power and the kind of virality of it lies. And has the last 15, 16 months or so pandemic, do you think? Uh, I mean, it's, it's clearly accelerated people wanting to invest more time in themselves and looking after themselves. Maybe it's that, you know, that step back, that that reset that many of us have experienced both personally and in our businesses. Um, has that happened in your industry as well? Like a lot of people that I've spoken to, and, and I used to be personal trainer and used to own sports injury clinics in, in a previous lifetime. Um, but to see how that industry has accelerated to like an online industry, 
Uh, have you seen that with yours as well? And I've obviously seen and heard you, um, you know, hosting breathwork and, and meditations as uh, on, on Clubhouse as well, like mutual friend of ours, Dan Dan Murray Serta, etc. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. It's it's had to adapt, and I think in a way it's more adaptable than perhaps other things. Like we've seen, you know, the the PT space, the fitness space, the yoga space adapt incredibly well for something that does derive quite a lot of value from in-person interaction. And it's translated fairly well to home. Um, but I do also see, you know, people are very excited to get back into the gym and back into kind of those physical environments. Mm. Um, whereas breath work, you know, there's no equipment, there's no need really to be in a space. I think when we're looking at the deeper, um, what I call kind of breath work for emotional integration, which is that more kind of deeper healing work. Um, there is an element of, of safety and being there to hold the space for someone that, uh, in person gives you a, a whole lot more of rather than online. But I think just in terms of, you know, if we think about meditation and calm and headspace and everything else that's come through so strongly over the last few years you don't need to be in a room with someone to run them through a simple breathing exercise for the deeper work i think there is real value in the group dynamic and sort of the group energy and, and having people in a space together and also the if you're doing a one-to-one -one and working quite deeply with someone the being in the space one-to-one -one with someone also has quite a big bearing on how psychologically safe they feel um mm. but on the flip side i know people that have got a lot more out of online sessions because they're in their own space they're in their own bedroom they're safe in their own environment rather than being in a, a third party location or wherever it might be so um yeah it's it's been hugely adaptable and also with covid um being a, a respiratory illness mm. um, it's really brought that into people's awareness as well as to how much we underestimate our breath. I think that's been a real um, factor. I remember seeing a, in the first lockdown a video from a, an NHS doctor um, suggesting a, essentially what is a deep diaphragmatic breathing technique to help with um, non-severe COVID and to alleviate the symptoms. So it really did kind of thrust in front of people how important our breath is and how um, much we can take it for granted. And have you yourself and seen other people um, essentially share the message and, 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 you know, get this practice in, in front of more people, you know, we've connected on clubhouse, but what's your relationship been like with social media, not just clubhouse, but in, in, in doing that? Yeah. I, I have a love hate relationship with social media <laughs> as I'm sure most people do. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pre predominantly, you know, Instagram is probably where I, I, I sit for, for the majority of, of my stuff. And yeah, the growth has been um, incredible since, since I started really talking about this stuff. And also the, the community as well within the people who do teach and who do share this stuff. Like a couple, I've got a couple of really good friends who um, are both breathwork um, coaches in their own right and both doing incredibly well. And so, yeah, social media, I think, has played a real factor, I, both in terms of something I never really saw coming, which is, you know, like the live sessions on Clubhouse or uh, Instagram lives doing kind of live hosted sessions there for people, uh, but also pre-recorded content and actually being able to share. And this is where, uh, or kind of what I try and bring with my approach, because we all do things slightly differently, 
is to give people the information and the understanding and make it really accessible through saying, okay, yes, I can take you through a 90 minute guided session that will blow your mind, but what's going on and what can help you day to day, moment to moment to really manage your mental and emotional health as well as your physical health. So yeah, social media, you know, it's a necessary evil in my book. It's uh, something that has so many positives and allows you to connect directly with people, but also can take up a lot of sp- headspace if you're not too careful. It can, it can indeed. Uh, and I'm, I'm the same, like you say, I'm sure many people are as well. Mine's definitely love hate, but have you found it easier or found like more of a natural home um, being in the audio space as a podcast has been podcasting for, for quite a while now. Have you found something like clubhouse um, far more attractive and, and less invasive? Um, but, the flip side there's still that energy suck Mm. that you get from a screen even though you might just be talking you're still looking at a screen if if you're hosting the room for example it's still I, i find it quite draining still yeah no i definitely do and i think i've taken a bit of a step back and really uh i suppose optimized what i want to spend my time on there doing um i do i do i have a huge amount of um love for clubhouse because i as as someone i actually posted about this um relating to my own mental health a couple of weeks ago um i've realized through therapy and through just getting to know myself meditation breath work and really digging into my own mind that i see other people on instagram kind of posting videos of themselves talking about a topic or speaking very openly and it makes me quite uncomfortable and i've realized that that comes from my own fear my own sort of blockers internally around putting myself out there in that way Mm. whereas on clubhouse i feel a lot more comfortable behind sort of audio because i actually feel like i'm quite confident in my knowledge confident in what i know and how i sort of uh here we go i was talking about how confident i feel in communicating myself and losing my words (laughs) the perfect time (laughs) um but yeah i feel like i i feel very comfortable in in an audio setting Whereas in video, I feel much more exposed and have a bit of a, an internal blocker around that. And yeah. one of the things I think I've, I've said this in a couple of your rooms in the past, when we were talking about, you know, what works on Clubhouse and how people can have success on Clubhouse. For me, it was the big, the big, big benefit I saw on there was the, all you can have to succeed on there is, is knowledge and credibility. If you're sharing things that are valuable to people, that's how you win on that platform as opposed to something like instagram where there's more around aesthetics and Mm. um, type of content you know clubhouse is one type of content you can either do it or you can't and so i think that for me as someone who is much more comfortable in that kind of audio environment definitely suited me and and suits suits breathwork as a a practice as well yeah and and you know that's why i think for anybody wanting to reach a wider audience to you know get get their mission heard i always find personally that audio is a really good place to start from um because again it's and i know it's an internal block with me as well but you don't feel like you're being judged so much on the aesthetics of it all um so you know and people procrastinate about all manner of things but i I literally just think it's it's so much easier to get started so much lower barriers to entry with with audio than than with video which was you know we're doing we're doing both now clearly but (laughs) yeah i'm actually um 
reading a really good it's next to me actually i'm reading a very good book at the moment called key person of influence oh uh, yeah okay i haven't read it but i know it yeah, yeah. who's the author again uh daniel Priestley. yes yeah. yes um and it's my my girlfriend actually recommended it to me um and that for me i think really summarized quite nicely what we saw on clubhouse is a bit of a social experiment in that the main principle of the book all the way through is that we are all sitting on top of a mountain of knowledge and passion and we all have things that we care about and so if you want to become a key person of influence in whatever niche or micro niche it's not about going looking for what's popular and then trying to put yourself in that box it's about thinking about what do i already know and care about and then sharing that and i think that's where so many people found their place on clubhouse was saying you know oh there's a room about this thing that i care about i'm going to go and share my opinion and people are like oh you have a great opinion on that thing i'm going to listen to you more about you talking about that thing mm. whatever it might be and i think that was really quite cool to see and i just think the networking element of it all was amazing i think just to be able to make you know connections like yourself and, and dan who we've mentioned and coach g and everybody else that, that we've had the, the pleasure <laughs> of sharing sharing stages with yeah it's funny story around that um is i was in the early days of being on clubhouse in january for me i remember being in a room um guy called mario who ended up getting kicked off the platform i don't know if you remember but back in the day as they say so him mario narwhal i think his name was getting kicked off the platform um but he was hosting a room and he he referenced that book and daniel Priestley. and whilst he was talking about it i literally just i said i know daniel Priestley. he spoke at one of the last events i did at the at the nec that i i helped put on so i literally text messaged him and um, before you know it, literally within about 60 seconds, he appeared in the room. We moved him up to the audience. We modded him. And he was talking about his, I literally messaged him, massive opportunity. There's 2,000 people in this room to talk about your book. And I was like, if that isn't the power of social media you know, and the power of your phone, you know, that device, that it is um, a, a media center in it, in its own right then then boom there there it was you know in all its yeah. glory um and something we mentioned before you know the the non-negotiables and i said something that um i've been a voracious reader all my life and then you know one of those things that went out the window this year that i literally just wasn't reading other things were, were consuming my time but that that book you mentioned earlier funnily enough was the first book i started reading this year which was atomic habits by, mm. by james clear and, and is that now for you again reading become a non-negotiable in your life or is it kind of ebbed and flowed i think uh it's a non-negotiable but the it's ebbed and flowed within that so there's been i i try and read you know a chapter a day and sometimes that will be five chapters or 10 chapters. And some days that will be quite literally one chapter, but I try and make it something that I always do. Um, and yeah, I've really kind of this year, probably lockdown really, actually, I remembered putting in a book order for about 10 books at the start of lockdown. And that was the start of kind of getting back into it. And I, I have a good friend again, that I've met through social media over the course of lockdown. Um, has a podcast called a need to read um and it's basically trying to make reading accessible and, and cool in a way okay um yeah and he does interviews with authors a guy called ed cunningham does interviews with authors and 
book reviews of books that he's read. And that's been an amazing way for me to sort of mm. get back into it and really get a feel for what I like. Mm. Um, and also noticing that that changes as well. Like I'm, I've never been particularly into fiction since I've gotten back into reading. And now I've, I'm really just reading a lot of fiction because I got a bit of information overload from all of the different nonfiction that I was getting stuck into. Cause I do think as valuable as it is to get inside all of these people's heads, there is also time to be spent in your own head, which I think we, we underestimate as well. So funny that you mentioned that because exactly what I've done and that's what's taken me to get back into reading was, I think it's often the case with whatever area of our lives it might be, but kind of going back to what we used to do, what we used to like, what used to give us that kind of dopamine hit. And for me, it's going back to like historical fiction. So reading like my Bernard uh, Cornwall, my Con Igledon, you know, these kind mm. of guys. And I've literally just nailed two books in, in two weeks and I'm now already into the third one again. But it, it as much as like you say, I love getting into people's heads and learning how to improve as a person and in, in my business, the, the likes of a James Cleary, often take something like that to just like rewind relax and and just ease back into it and for me it was actually taking my birthday uh, taking time out going down to Cornwall um to St Austell and hiring a cottage and literally just pressing pause <laughs> not going on clubhouse for like four or five days or any social media to be honest with you and just reading sitting down and reading and it was great. And I'm back into it again now. So it's funny that you've done the same thing. I find that interesting. Yeah, it's. I think it's important. I think, I, I feel like for a, a while, Clubhouse almost um, replaced my reading in, mm, in the sense yes. that I was hearing, yes. I was still getting the information. I, I was not listening to as many podcasts. I wasn't as reading as, reading as much. And mm. that's because it was, it's the same sort of information and I think there is a certain limit that you hit where it's like okay I don't need to I've been in a room about how to you know I don't know optimize my business or whatever it might be and I'm not going to listen I don't want to listen to a podcast about that I also don't yeah. want to really book about that because I've just sat and listened to that and taken on so much um that I do think you you do need that time to digest and put things into practice mm. 100%. Um, and, and something to come to, to, the, to the next point I wanted to cover during this is, is exercise and maybe um, kind of coming at it from the angle of what's your relationship like with your physical health compared to your mental health? Because that's something, again, that I've it's become more and more to the forefront of my mind over the last year and a half that I've worked out that – if I'm not physically, if my physical health is not good, then my mental health will suffer and vice versa. But it's making it a non-negotiable for me and you have to do it. And, and for me, again, it's one of these things that if I actually write it down and put it in the schedule that I'm going running on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, it will happen. If it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And that will affect my mental state because I'm not exercising. I'm not getting that dopamine dopamine hit. I'm not feeling good about myself. So therefore, all of those anxieties and stresses and strains come into my mental well-being as well. And I, I don't know what you think about that, but I'm interested to know, James. Yeah, I, again, I, I ebb and flow prob with exercise probably than I do, do more so than with any of the others. I think the others are, are a little bit more consistent. Um, I played a lot of rugby growing up, a lot of football even before that, and was always 
very active um as i've got you know uh, i wouldn't call myself old just yet but as i've gotten older um i actually think the impact of rugby on my body and the toll that that took on my body has meant that i am not as mobile as i could be um but still you know i'm still physically fit probably on a, a scale of everybody in the world but um yeah i think for me exercise i know it does have a positive impact on my on my mental health but i also know that with as with anything and i think this is where i'm kind of careful with the phrase non-negotiable is that anything positive or negative can become harmful if you're too rigid within that and if you don't give yourself the mm. flexibility to actually have a day off and this is something that I don't necessarily feel I have an answer for in the sense that some days you'll have a day off because you just can't be asked and some days you'll have a day off because you feel like you need to rest and when do you actually know quite the difference? Are you, are you almost tricking yourself into saying, oh, I really need, really need a rest when actually you can't be bothered? Yeah, or yeah. Are you tricking yourself into going and doing it because you don't want to let yourself down when actually you need to rest? And it's sort of this, that's where I kind of live with an exercise is that I'm actually a lot more, um, I suppose, forgiving of myself when it, when I don't do it. I've never mm. been a runner, um, particularly. I was always a sprinter and a, a, a rugby player, much more kind of short short bursts. Um, and so that for me, like exercise can take many forms and, and that kind of non-negotiable for me really covers anything from making sure I get out for a walk through to, you know, a, a kind of a long run or a, a, a gym session or a, a class or whatever it might be i think movement is probably a better way to put it yeah than exercise i think movement i find really really vital mm. and i think we're too far down the, the road now to to ever deny the positive like the actual chemical positive impact of exercise on your mental health so it's just making sure that your relationship with it is a positive one in the sense that knowing your boundaries, knowing your limits, knowing, and again, it comes back to something I said at the start around somatic awareness and knowing your body and knowing the signs and symptoms of fatigue or burnout or whatever it might be and being able to say, okay, I'm going to sleep in and I'm not going to exercise. And that is a good thing rather than a bad thing and not chastising yourself or punishing yourself for not doing something that is on a list of, of non-negotiables. So yeah, it's sort of flexibility within routine has always been my, my view on it. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I've really struggled with. Uh, something I've talked about a number of times on, on here is doing this um, program called 75 hard by a guy mm -hmm. called Andy Frizzella. And whilst that was, unbelievable and something I'm, I'm glad I did. I did it twice in the end, but um, having to do a list of things every day for 75 days without a break, what I found having done it twice and I got some great benefits, like not drinking alcohol for 75 days. Then I look back and I was like, wow, for the last um, you know year and a half, I've been alcohol free more than I've been drinking alcohol. And it's definitely uh, tamed, not that I was a big drinker, but tamed how much I drunk well, I was drinking, um, and the, and the mindset, the belief it actually gave me led me to then, you know, running my first marathon and things like that, which again, wouldn't have happened without that. But the downsides have been that it's almost been like boom or bust because as soon as I finished that the next day, I'm there with like three bags of jelly babies, bottle of red wine, 
and <laughs> I don't exercise for a week. Yeah. So it's now come come to the conclusion that I need to find something that actually works for me and to listen to my body and when my body is actually I'm working out, as you say, when it's the actually really fatigued because I ran nine miles yesterday, five miles today. And do you know what? The reason I just woke up on the sofa was because my body's telling me something. Whereas before it'd be like, no, you've got to do the second 45 minute workout of the day. Go. And I was off. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's working out what works for you and what doesn't work for you, isn't it? And, and it comes down to you know, listening to your body clearly and how it breathes and how it moves. Exactly. I think that for me has been probably the biggest learning that I've had both with my physical health and that's come through my work with with the breath but also my my mental health and it all it all comes back to awareness and self-awareness and that is that's awareness it. of kind of triggers and mental health and your past and trauma and how that impacts you uh but also listening to your body and actually being able to say as soon as you notice like this is the process that i go through it's like I don't feel right today. Like I'm achy or I'm a bit overtired or I'm a bit irritable. I'll just stop and be like, right, what's actually going on? What's my body telling me? I always mm. talk about it as um, my nervous system or my body talking back to me. Like it's trying to tell you something, whether you're aware of it or not. And so the more you can tune into it, the more you're able to observe what might be able to, what you can then change. And I think that's the thing we, we can only change what we can control right so listening and then being like right this is how i'm feeling this is what i think that means and this is what i can change so it's sort of having that awareness and that understanding to begin with to then allow yourself to respond and to react a accordingly to, to what needs changing and I, I i do think you know things like 75 hard and I know there'll be people maybe at slightly a, a different end of a spectrum to me who are, you know, you're very, very drilled in, very like David Goggins-esque. I was going to mention are, him yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like without fail, it's 4am run every single day. Yeah. And and this is where, you know, and this is why I think where you said around finding what works for you is so key because that's what works for him. And I think there is an element of doing things like that to find out what, if you are that kind of person, because some of us don't know, and I've never been one to really go down that route. I've never been one to, you know, punish myself just to prove that I can do something or whatever it might be. But that's not to say that that's not for everyone. And I think we can get very dogmatic and very, um, kind of, yeah, straight up dogmatic with these silver bullets and ways of living and diets and exercise and all of these things. And really it comes down to getting to know yourself and understanding what works for you. And that changes and that takes time. And it's a, it's a real kind of, it's an exercise in, in self-awareness and, and understanding. So I think it is probably the most important thing for people to go through is to try different things and to figure out what, what really works for them. Absolutely. And, you know, one of my biggest takeaways, I always say from actually having this podcast for, for four years is, is the people I've met and finding out, you know, what makes them tick and trying stuff that they do. Do you know what? What works for Tim Ferriss might not actually work for me at the end of the day, but um, I'm, I'm all up for trying different things and trying to, you know, optimize, you know, my life, my body, my business, etc. cetera. But, um, you know, being aware that it might not actually be a fit for me and like you say it does actually change over time i think and what phase of life that you're actually going through as well yeah. um and something i've been i've been 
finding out a lot more about over the last couple of weeks, I would say, actually, again, having met somebody on on Clubhouse who wanted help with their podcast is sleep and mm. something that, you know, actually, you know, you probably know far more about it than than me. But again, what works for, for somebody doesn't necessarily work for somebody else. But being able to to actually, you know, mo- monitor that, is, is that something that you put down again as one of your non-negotiables? Is that always been there or has that ebbed and flowed over the, over the yeah, years? Yeah, it's, it's been really, I've noticed over the years um, how closely linked it is to how I feel. Mm. Uh, and probably more in the sense that when I am not feeling good in myself, you know, anxiety, whatever it might be, my sleep, I, I really struggle to sleep. And then you end up in like this vicious cycle where your anxiety is blocking your sleep. You mm. then wake up tired and you're more likely to be anxious. And all of these things, all of these non-negotiables, again, it comes back to these atomic habits, right? These small things that we do aren't about changing your life there and then. They're not kind of huge transformational things meditating for 10 minutes on a day isn't going to change your life but doing it every single day you're just essentially giving yourself the best possible chance of feeling good and you're giving yourself the best possible chance of feeling clear and i think that for me sleep's always been a a big one i I use my i've got a whoop band which i know Mm -hmm. quite a lot of people uh, use nowadays um and (laughs) Yeah, that's been great to really just get a feel for what my sleep is like and and what I can do if I need to sleep a little bit more in certain situations. Um, but yeah, I, I love my sleep. I, I really value it. <laughs> uh, it's a, a really important factor. I think I'm especially again as I've gotten a little bit older. It's been it's been key just to really take note of that. And yeah, I can't can't hack it like I used to. Um, and something you mentioned there which i think is a good point to um kind of bring us full circle actually was meditation and it's again something that i only started practicing probably two years ago um and it was i guess i did a bunch of stuff at the same time but meditating was one of them trying yoga for the first time was one of them which led to me doing it like every single day like again started as a 75 hard thing but i've carried that on and i just find that again my background was rugby and american football so again when i kind of look back and think my body probably should move in a different way than than it actually does but i found it amazing for flexibility yoga um, but not just that um, for, for, for flexibility but also strengthening mm. um and and then meditation for me was I'd like to do more of it, but at the moment it it's just like a 10 minutes at the beginning of the day, but it just clears my mind. Um, and I find it invaluable and I, I miss it when I don't do it. It's not something I, I, I write down, but it's become part of my morning routine. Um, interested to know for you again, there's one, one of your non-negotiables. How long have you been practicing that? And for, for somebody who's, maybe heard about it a fair bit on the, on this show and, and just, you know, in the ether, what are some ways they can discover that we mentioned kind of like headspace before, which was how I discovered it funnily enough. Yeah. yeah I think, um, I, I, so I've been practicing meditation again, having and flowing with it for the best part of three, three and a half years, um, came to it through headspace. Uh, mm. a lot of, these things that are now part of my life in terms of looking after myself came through uh, a, a bit of a journey of 
exploration with my own mental health, I, I suffered badly with panic attacks and anxiety and depression. Um, and really just was doing that thing of like, I'm going to try everything mm. and, see what, and see what sticks um, as kind of that process of, of seeing what works for me. And at the start of uh, last year, I was like, right, I want to bring this back into back into what I'm doing and started up and did little bits and pieces here or there. Um, and now I try and do 15 minutes to half an hour every day. Um, and I actually, I've been using the waking up app, the Sam Harris app, which is really good for anybody who's getting bored of Andy Puddicombe's voice. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. made me leave it in the end. <laughs> no offense yeah. to the guy. No offense to Andy. Two years of it. Yeah. He has a very, very good meditation voice and yeah. they've, they've done an incredible job. But yeah, I'd say Headspace and Calm are, you know, great places to start. I, I use waking up with, with, um, Sam Harris. Yeah, there's a um a 28-day course, which is 10 minutes a day. And it, his style really landed for me. And again, this is personal preference, but he mm. he's I think he's a very, you know, not that anyone else who teaches meditation isn't intelligent, but he's a very, very smart guy. And the way he teaches it is quite uh, left brain analytical. He explains it in terms that someone who likes context and might be a bit more skeptical can understand, mm. um, which I found really valuable. And then I've now moved back actually as of this week to unguided. So completely unguided meditation. And it came off the back of watching, um, a big, big film fan. I watched uh, The Sound of Metal with Riz Ahmed uh, on Sunday night. And uh, I won't spoil it for anybody, but part of it is um, this guy who's trying to help him gives him this. He doesn't say, I want you to meditate for half an hour every morning. He says, I want you to go and sit in that room. And all I want you to do is sit. And you're going to sit for as long as you can. And when you can't sit still anymore, I want you to write. And I want you to write until you can't write anymore. And then I want you to start sitting again. And you're going to do that for half an hour. And that for me kind of brought me back to what, for me, meditation at its core is all about. It's it's about, it's not about a goal. It's not about, I'm going to sit here and try to clear my mind. It's about sitting here and seeing what's there. And that for me has been really helpful just as a bit of a reset to say, uh, you know, this is, why I do it. And it just allows things to come and go a little bit more naturally rather than listening to a voice or listening to a guided script to, to push you in a certain direction. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with it at the moment, but for anybody looking yeah, to get stuck in obviously headspace and calm, but the, the waking up app is a really good place to start as well. Well, look at that, that movie, the one about, I haven't seen it yet, but the drummer, heavy metal yeah. bands. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That sounded, I'm yeah. a big heavy metal fan. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Really, really good. I was, um, wasn't sure what to expect, but it was, yeah, it was incredible. Awesome. Um, well look, um, easiest way. I really, really enjoyed again, keep chatting for, for a while, but I know we're both, um, busy people. <laughs> um, but that's gone, that's gone super quick. Um, at the moment, how much of, um, how people can access um, with you and what you teach is online and, and how much is it is physical because I know you've got a retreat um, at, at some point this year as well. Um, and I've obviously connected with you on Clubhouse where you were doing different um, breathwork and meditations as well. But yeah, maybe you could share with, with, the, with the audience best ways. And we've got 
people from 151 countries now listen to the show. So um, online would obviously be a good place to start, clearly. Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to, I suppose, find all of that stuff out will either be on Instagram, so at the underscore breath underscore space, uh, or my website, which is thebreathspace.co.uk. Um, within that, I have... Um, at the moment with Clubhouse, um, if people are on there, 6.15 UK time every Sunday uh, is a, a longer session that I do on there with Dan Murray Serta under the Brain Care Club. Um, I then also offer online group workshops on probably usually at the moment twice monthly. Um, I'm about to next month launch my online membership, which will be more on demand um, awesome. that, that people will be able to get their hands on because again this it all i don't know how i've just sort of had this massive sudden realization but it all comes back to what works for people some people want to practice live some people want to practice on their own time yeah. um so yeah putting that together that will be very much around what i call like breathwork 101 so understanding the understanding piece the context piece alongside sessions that people can do in their own time um then I will be starting to teach at some studios around London for anybody based in London, but that'll all be going up on Instagram and, and the website in, in due course. And what else? Uh, the retreat. Uh, yeah, very, very, very excited for that in the Alps. But how is it in the Alps? Is it? Yeah, at a, oh, wow. a chalet in the Alps. Uh, Whereabouts in the Alps are you then? What country? We're probably bordering a couple, but I think we're yeah, we're right on the border. I think, um, but just I think just in Switzerland, right? Think, oh, um, amazing! Which looks incredible. Um, it's a, a yoga and breathwork retreat, which will be yeah. That was where I really I went to a yoga and breathwork retreat in Sri Lanka, which blew my mind and really pushed me even further into this stuff. Right. Um, so that as well, um, and then on the 27th of June, uh, a yoga and breathwork workshop with my friend Lucy Sesto in uh, East London. So lots, lots of chances, but it'll all be, yeah, all be on on my Instagram. Um, and I would love, yeah, if people have questions or or want to chat at all, then I'm always happy to happy to chat. And man down podcast as well, of course, if they want to. Um... Yeah, that's, how can we forget? Yeah, can how can forget? we forget? Uh, yeah, so the man down podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else. Um, and that is, yeah, running twice weekly at the moment. So guest episodes, solo episodes, and a, a new uh, sort of mini series within that, which is about uh, breaking down different types of mental health support. So talking about different types of therapy, uh, breath work, meditation, um, trauma treatment, anything like that that people might not be as familiar with and just short episodes with uh, professionals within those fields for really to address the kind of inequality of information that's out there for people. I think everyone's like, oh, I need to go to therapy, but therapy mm. isn't necessarily always the best way to, to treat um, what you might be going through so trying to really open that up to people and and keep the conversation going indeed sounds awesome um sounds like the world's opening up as well i mean uh, listening to you so it's uh, it's got to be a good thing so um look jimmy clements thank you very much indeed for your time and um look forward to catching up with you again soon thanks alex
So again, Jamie's somebody that I met on Clubhouse. It's such an amazing platform for connecting with people. Um, and we've been part of a very similar community on there. Paths have crossed many times. So I've wanted to get him on this uh, show for quite a while now. Um, myself, those of you who will be regular listeners will know I've been practicing uh, mindfulness meditation for a number of years now, probably coming up to three. Um, it has slipped this year um, specifically because of, funnily enough, things like Clubhouse taking up so much of my time. So I was interested to dive into conversations around social media um, about how it can bring up you know, negativity, I've, you know, definitely um, it's caused me um, some kind of anxiety, I would say, some kind of stress because of the rigidity of committing to doing um, daily time spent there, um, chatting, you know, sharing value. Ultimately, you could view it, you know, as time spent there, giving value for free, but ultimately um, for me, that's based on my favorite social platform that I've ever found. I've never enjoyed writing posts, thinking of pictures, thinking of things to write on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. But I found a platform where I can just do what I'm doing now, just talk. And it seems to resonate with people. Uh, it's transformed my business. It's increased my network exponentially. So why wouldn't I keep doing it? But, you know, after chatting to Jamie, I think being really clear to me that um, it can become harmful if you are too rigid about it, about not having any flexibility to actually, you know, relax and step back, have a day off. So that's something that, you know, having this conversation with Jamie's definitely made me more mindful to recognize those flags um, when it does become a little bit stressful. And, you know, it is a necessary evil, I think, social media, um, especially when you're a business owner in this day and age. It, it does have so many positives. The positives have definitely outweighed the negatives for me. Um, and I've probably never spent so much time on social media if you call Clubhouse social media. And now we've got Green Room on Spotify, um, Facebook bringing out their live rooms, um, something else called Fireside, this Twitter spaces. I mean, You've got to choose where you spend your time, right? Um, and I don't think you need to spend your time everywhere. For me, it's, it's you know, where your, your community is. How can you best serve them? And if that's on one platform, then that's the way forward. I think trying to spread yourself too thin and being everything to everyone is definitely not the way forward. Definitely not the way forward. So, look, I hope this is all helpful. Um, I know... I really enjoyed my conversation with Jamie um, and I hope you did too. So have a great week. Have a great weekend ahead. If you'd like to learn how to launch and grow your own number one rated podcast like this with zero experience, zero knowledge and zero tech skills, Come and join me at ultimatepodcastmastery.com where I've just launched for a limited number of people a brand new podcast membership course. So you'll get access to my Ultimate Podcast Mastery membership course. You'll get my digital workbook, my progress sheet, 
my launch checklist, and all of the nitty-gritty cheat sheets, templates, and scripts the Podpreneur way. You'll also get weekly live Q&A with me, exclusive WhatsApp group chat, and entry to my private Facebook group, as well as access to all my past interviews and trainings with special guests as well. This is available for a limited time for a limited number of people. So once it's gone, it's gone. But if you'd like to learn how to do exactly what I'm doing now, then I'll show you how. Head on over to ultimatepodcastmastery.com. Over the last four years of this show, I've detailed the habits, routines, and rituals of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Where I found I needed a little help was in my evening routine, especially how I unwind before bed. Do you have a routine or do you leave it to chance? Some of the most talked about things you can do include putting your phone down, switching your screen off an hour or so before bed, stretching, taking a hot shower and not eating rich food or drinking alcohol too close to bedtime. These are great ideas, but not everybody's lifestyle can accommodate them. Which is why I decided to take a deep sleep nootropic called Boost, brought to you by Pure Sports CBD called Unwind. It helps you both get to sleep and helps your sleep quality too. So I've partnered with Pure Sports CBD to provide a premium and trusted natural product to help you as a busy entrepreneur go further. You can get 20% off their entire range by going to puresportcbd.com and entering the code JUSTDOIT20. That's just do it two zero. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It, Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It, Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org, I promise to reply. Just give me a little time.